Welcome to Fruit Bowl, an oral history of queer sex. Learn more at fruitbowlpodcast.com. Uh, my name is Ty. I am 34. I graduated high school in June of 2002. I grew up in Connecticut, sort of the northwest corner of the state. This interview was recorded in October of 2019 in New York City. I know that the town I grew up in was more conservative than it thinks it is, but not super conservative, uh, majority white. And as the like kid who was 25% Chinese, I was, to my peers, the Chinese kid or occasionally the Japanese kid. <laughs> I don't think it was a bad place to grow up. I don't want to give that impression, but uh, I'm happy I'm here and not there. I have two younger sisters. My mother and father divorced when I was seven, and uh, that was when my mom came out of the closet. I was actually raised uh, by lesbians, which made for, I think, mostly fairly easy coming out, which is really, really nice. Um, I, I feel very sort of blessed to have had that. I mean, it, sort of, it meant sort of in some ways crashing into a lot of the problems of coming out vicariously through my mother when she endured a lot of bigotry and uh, sort of ostracism and so on. But then sort of when it came around to my turn, it was not having to face that kind of difficulty with my own parents made things a lot easier. And my mom entered into a relationship with another woman maybe a year, maybe a little bit less than that after she came out. And yeah, this other woman lived with us. They, they are still together. They've been together now for doing the math, a little bit over 25 years. My dad did remarry, yeah. I lived with my mother and my father rough, roughly 50-50. Uh, it is a pretty complicated schedule, which I can't remember exactly, but my dad was very injured, I think, by the by my mom coming out, by the divorce and so on. He was not homophobic, but uh, just to give you an idea of how, of how weird some of that made things, uh, when I told him I was gay, he said, uh, this is a victory for your mother. <laughs> I think I just sort of was like, okay, well, I guess that's that for that conversation, <laughs> and then went and did my homework or something. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was, you know, more or less on par for trying to have any kind of heart-to-heart -heart stuff with him about stuff. So I think that he was very hurt. Uh, I, I don't think that that was entirely unjustified from his perspective, but I think he allowed that to make him kind of permanently a very angry person. And it was hard seeing someone that I remember being sort of joyful when I was very, when I was much younger sort of become mostly resentful and, uh, and angry. Uh, my parents each separately had the talk with me at different moments. I would have been probably eight or nine, I think. I don't know, I, I think there were plenty of times growing up when like, you know, my parents were like, oh, you should really see this you know, great movie, and like, you know, like A Fish Called Wanda, for example. Uh, and it was very, very funny. And then suddenly there's like this like five minute long sex scene. And, you know, like c covering up your eye, kid's eyes can only work so many times before you, you know, questions are asked and you sort of have to finally explain some of it. So I, I, I do remember 
having my eyes covered for that particular movie in particular. I don't know if that's what prompted the conversation, but uh, you know, at, at some point you have to talk to your kids about this stuff. They each did at different times, and for whatever reason, I sort of felt like, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll let them each do it, and they'll feel good about doing it. So I just, I can't remember who did it first, but I remember at some point I was like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll let you do it so you can sort of have this meaningful moment, but I secretly, I know, I know all of this already. <laughs> who do you think did a better job? Um, I, uh, God, that's a really hard question. Um, I feel like my dad's was the more memorable one in that he sort of really tried to find an awkward way to sort of backdoor the conversation to happening. We were like on a road trip somewhere and he, uh, pointed to some like especially like garish cars like oh that's like a pimp mobile like and and I was like well what's a pimp and then he was just like well and then so our our, our version of the talk started off with a full expl explanation of what prostitution is which is great <laughs> and how did your mom approach the subject uh I can't actually remember her talk that well both of my moms were therapists I, I assume they did a really really good job at it so such that there was nothing to sort of jog my fragile child spirit into remembering it as a trauma or anything like that. <laughs> but yeah, n nothing super memorable about that one. I'm sure it was good. Yeah, first learning about queer sex, definitely the internet helped with that. This was back in like 56k dial-up days. I don't know, I've, I just remember being like 11 or 12 and just really wanting to look at dicks. And it doesn't take too many clicks to get past that into like, you know, guys having sex. And I was just like, oh, okay. I would like memorize the URL of this stuff because, you know, I couldn't save it, have it saved digitally anywhere. I'd get in trouble. Uh, I don't have it memorized anymore. Sorry. Uh, but I remember some like web board that was like trading like grainy fucking like nudes of male celebrities <laughs> uh or just like completely ludicrous looking photoshopped fake ones you know I, I don't think that i necessarily found any of that super arousing so much as i was like looking to be told what to be attracted to almost i would say that for a while like when i was like 15 and below i was mostly just looking for like naked men, not so much of them like actually having sex with each other until I was like, you know, 15, 16. Let's see, this would have been like, you know, 1996, 1997. So like a, a lot of like Marky Mark and shit, you know? <laughs> you know, I, I was fully familiar with the concept of people being queer. Uh, that is all just sort of like, okay, well this is, it, it felt like a wash of information and of course, I, I sort of, you know, knew enough that so, that other people were judgmental enough of queerness that I got, like, I, this is probably straight people too, but like very, very good at like uh, deleting browser, browser history, delete, uh, emptying the cache, deleting, deleting all browser cookies, all of that stuff. Yeah, you know, porn is sort of there and waiting for anybody of that age with curiosity, which is virtually everyone that age, I think. I'm sure that there were things that like my parents probably clocked me for when I was really little uh, before I had any idea about these things. Um, but I think at when I was, you know, very, very young and sort of, you know, in the 
just in their early throes of puberty, a lot of feelings of attraction can just feel like really wanting to be friends with people. And so I think that's how a lot of that felt to me. I wouldn't say that it was a confirmation per se. Uh, it was the, it answered questions for me, but I don't think the questions I was asking were yes or no, if that makes any sense. I, I don't think that I went in there thinking, am I gay or not? Uh, it feels like that answer just sort of delivered itself to me before I would even think to ask the question. You know, I, I had what I'm sure felt like very progressive sex ed at the of the time, but a lot of that was very much like, you know, well, there's nothing wrong with being gay, but also like, if you are like a young boy and you really want to suck a dick, that doesn't mean you're gay. Maybe it's just a phase <laughs> and just like, you know, that kind of stuff of like, which I think is meant to have, to help kids not feel terrified if they feel these feelings or something like that. But it sort of, you know, when, when I was very, when I was that age, put me in a place of like feeling these feelings of attraction, but maybe just thinking like, oh, th maybe this would sort of develop in a different direction. I, that wasn't wishful thinking, but it was just sort of like, huh, okay, this is what I'm feeling right now, but maybe I'll start being attracted to girls soon. Who knows? Again, when I was like a young teenager, looking at this sort of stuff, you know, yes, I would see gay sex, but I don't know. So, I, you know, I, I certainly got to know, like, okay, here's like, you know, oral sex, anal sex. But I wouldn't say that it felt like this was a thing that was like teaching me how to do it. I remember being very surprised when I did have my first sexual experience and I was like, oh, this feels really natural. I, I thought I would ha I thought I was going to be clueless or clumsy or something like that that did sort of feel like a confirmation that it came so easily and so naturally. And it felt like, oh, this is actually like a part of me that I'm getting to know now. I was pretty young for my grade. So I, you know, I feel like just statistically other kids were probably getting erections before I was, but you definitely, and you know, like had older brothers or whatever, but you know, I feel like I remember seeing people like doing the traditional like jerk off gesture of like, you know, miming masturbation before I had a sense. And that was just sort of like, okay, I guess that's just how you do that. I do remember the first time I came, I don't, I don't know what age I was, but I was just, it wasn't scary, but I was just like, holy shit, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, my, my body doing a thing it hadn't done before. And that just like, even though I know I knew it was sort of what to expect, I was it was uh, mind blowing. Not on a like oh well, that was fun kind of level, which it was, but just because I don't know, it was weird. <laughs> I had tried to masturbate a couple times before, you know, you know, it still counts as masturbation. I, I had masturbated before, but I had not come before, uh, and so it felt sort of like I. You know, d doing the same thing you've done a bunch of times, then getting a, an explosively different result is surprising. Uh, I, I wasn't drinking after anything particular. I was, this is just me in my room. You know, I, I, you know, when you're like 13 or whatever, you don't need porn. You need like a light breeze to get a boner. <laughs> it must be so weird to be parenting a son of that age because, like, I'm sure they're just like vanishing all the time and clearly just like anytime there's like a door locked it's like oh okay like they're just jacking off for the fifth time today cool <laughs> uh, i didn't have sex until i was in college 
this, you know, no, no real way to get privacy before then, you know, and I hadn't until then sort of explored the ways you could use the internet to meet guys. This was when I was going to Haverford College in, uh, outside of Philadelphia. But uh, another college student, I think he was a, uh, I think he was a junior. Uh, like, you know, I met him on, might have, might have been Manhunt, I'm not sure. Um, uh, he, was at an, he was at another school in the area. He drove over and picked me up. And uh, I remember being nervous, not necessarily in a negative way, but like my heart was beating out of my chest at the idea of doing this. And, uh, I, you know, and I mentioned to him that I, that, you know, this was my first time doing anything with a guy. And so he was very, uh, very, very kind in retrospect. Like, I'm sure I was visibly vibrating. <laughs> um, so he actually, like, just, like, took my hand and held it and said, okay, this is a hand. And I think just held it for, like, five minutes. Then we made out a bunch. And, I, and he was sort of like, you know, do, you know, do you want to stop now? And I was just like... Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> like I, I completely insisted on like getting our dicks involved. Uh, so then like, you know, he sucked my dick for a bit, which is, you know, fantastic. Uh, and then I, you know, I sucked his and that both the making out and sucking dick, that was when I felt really sort of surprised at how completely natural that all felt to me. That I was just like, oh, some part of me sort of, already knew how to do this somehow. It, it felt great. It felt very self-actualizing to discover, you know, to really put into practice my sexuality. That, that was it for that time. You know, I, I, don't get me wrong. I had like plenty of years ahead of me of like hooking up with extremely sketchy dads in their cars and shit, as one unfortunately does at that age. But, you know, I think, you know, at that age, Unfortunately, a lot of people end up having sex that they don't really want to have because you don't know how to say, no, I'm uncomfortable yet. Uh, or, you know, I'd like you to drive me back home, please, or anything like that. I, outside of once or twice, haven't ever had sex with someone who is like, you know, of 18, 19 age. Never, you know, never really my thing. But the two times that has happened, I've, you know, wasn't either their first time. I don't think I've ever been anyone's first time. But I was very aware of, and, and this is perhaps inspired by my first time, uh, I was very aware of saying, okay, this is what sex is like when someone actually cares about you having a good time too. Because that's not a guarantee. And also sort of tried to say as much as I could, you know, don't settle for less than this. Uh, you know, I know that at that age you are just filled with this need to be in your gay life, uh, and to have contact with other men. But, uh, I feel like it's good for people to sort of try to have only good experiences, you know? And, and I, I tell people that age, just, you know, like move to a city when you can, <laughs> it makes a huge difference. Uh, and just, you know, I know that you were just like aching for like dick, but you know, d don't settle for weirdos. <laughs> Um, you know, d don't put yourself in, in situations where you're going to get traumatized or upset by things. Um, first time I tried, uh, anal sex, that was with my first boyfriend. Let's see, I, this was later in my 18th year, but he would have been 19. I think I was the second guy he had fucked. He had a huge dick. And I'd had a sense, I remember, of 
wanting the first for that to be someone w with somebody where I, f you know, I felt something or I felt like it mattered. I don't know how I feel about that now. You know, I think intimacy is a good thing, but I think there are times when it's actually good not to risk getting your heart mixed up and stuff. I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I'm just saying that my feelings about that are more complicated than they were uh, when I, when, you know, that first time I got fucked. Um, I remember it was like a challenge uh, and then like ridiculously intense. And I was like big and kind of bat shaped. So it was just like, you know, once it was in there, it was like not coming out. Like internally, like I was just like, okay, well you wanted this, so. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, I, and I did, um, a after a sort of, uh, strenuous beginning to things, you know, I, I, w I won't make any claims that I was like, you know, a pro the first time by any means, but I was just like, okay, I, you know, the, the, this feels stupidly intense, but it's, you know, but that, but it's what I want. I can't remember if you used like lube lube or some kind of awful around the house thing, like, you know, like conditioner or something like that. It, it might have been that, but I, I can't remember for the life of me. But yes, we, we used lube. I, I have occasionally had very, very uh, sort of MacGyvered lube situations. Uh, you know, they're, they're never that good, ever. <laughs> he, at the time, thought he was bi. He'd like had sex with women plenty of times, um, which I, I gather is significantly easier. But uh, it, it, all, it, it also meant that he you know, once we sort of got going, it was like, oh, cool. So I can just like go like, you know, here, move your legs all around. Hit this from like five different positions. And I was, so that was very much a serious crash course for my first time. <laughs> but, uh, but it was fine. I was loving it, I think. Oh, you're a trooper. <laughs> <laughs> and afterward, I was sort of like, well, that was a lot. But I do want to do that again. Um, I, I don't think he was a very good boyfriend, but he was a good lay. These days, I only bottom very rarely, but, like, I was this, like, total size queen power bottom, like, all through college. I was absolutely an idiot about it, you know, not just in terms of, like, occasionally hooking up with, hooking up with sketchy people, but, like, barely ever caring if people used condoms. Took, like, plenty of loads in the pre-prep -prep era. Never caught a single STD until uh, prep became a thing. You know, I was definitely very irresponsible in the pre-prep era and just sort of managed to be fine. I, you know, I, I was very lucky. I know. Um, I, I have friends who are not, um, I don't know. I, I was a big dumbass about that stuff, uh, but I never caught a single STD. And, you know, now I feel like I, I don't know, get like one a year. It's fine. It's a cost of doing business. My, I can't remember any specifics of my first time fucking somebody. I mean, first trying it would have been probably when I was 19, uh, finding out that I was really good at it. Uh, probably not until I was like 27, 28. I kept finding myself getting asked to do that. I had probably spent way too much time looking at porn when I was younger. So I just like, you know, I had seen all these like completely giant dicks and I was like, oh, I guess mine is rather small. Uh, but it, it turned out that it's not and it's actually pretty nice. Uh, I, I've been told that I have like boyfriend dick and that it's like, you know, it, it's it's nice looking. It's a little bigger than average, but it's not like going to leave you limping the next day. And so like, before I really knew how to be good at that, people were still asking me to do it. Like guys were like, oh, well, I never really bought them, but like, you know, but like yours I'd do it for. So I was just sort of like, okay, well I like, you know, sexual contact to sexual contact, let's do this. Um, so that, that happened to me plenty. And like these days I mostly top, 
But it took, I would say, until like my mid-twenties to have an experience where I was like, oh, I'm really confident doing this and it feels really good. And, uh, and this actually feels right in a way that I really kind of want to sexually inhabit. That was with someone who was, who was actually my sub for a couple of years uh, after that. Uh, like submissive, like he was, uh, I called him my pig, he like wore a collar. But yeah, he was also just like, you know, one of the hottest men I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, and came over and I just like fucked the shit out of him. And he was so into it and so like, wow, that was one of the best I've ever had. That it was this, you know, I- immense confidence boost that I probably still haven't recovered from. You know, I'm a very arrogant person now. <laughs> But no, that, that, that was a moment where I was like, oh, I'm, a re- I'm actually a really good top and I really, really enjoy this and I'm turned on by it. My years of like mostly bottoming definitely taught me some things about, you know, varying it up properly. But I think still it's just, you know, the experience of topping that kept getting me to get better at it. But I think a lot of it is that sort of real sort of like empathic connection where you're like, oh, like, I know that if I do this, it's going to feel really, really good. It's it's almost the same thing as, like, petting a dog or something like that. And I'm not saying bottoms of dogs, but I'm saying, like, sometimes you can, like, be, like, interacting with an animal. Like, you're okay, I'm not a dog, but I know if I scratch right there, there, it's going to be great. Uh, you just, and that's, that's, you know, that's empathy. I don't know. First fell in love with that with my first boyfriend, the one who is you know a good lay and not a good boyfriend. I don't want to get too too much into it, but it fucked me up for a long time. I think I was so ready to be in love with someone that it just kind of happened to some degree, sort of irrespective of who he was. But he cheated on me in a way that, at least as it was as I processed it, was because I was not Asian enough for him. I'm one quarter Chinese and he was kind of a rice queen and it fucked me up very badly in it, when it, for a while when it came to the relationship between like my sexuality and my mixed race heritage. First time falling in love with someone who's not an asshole, that would be my boyfriend. Uh, we've been together for going on eight years now. Um, his name is Steven. He's wonderful. Um, He's, he's, you can probably hear his voice right through there. He's not the loud one, that's my roommate. We moved to New York at around the same time. Uh, He moved here in August 2011, I moved here in September of 2011. Then we met around six months later, just as we were sort of growing into our social circles. He was this, you know, ebullient, super friendly, like, guy from California who just sort of like, greeted everybody with a hug and a kiss, but I didn't know that. And so he like smooshed me on the lips like as soon as I came into this friend's birthday party and I was like, who is that guy? Facebook stalked him. He put up something on Facebook like, hey, does anyone want to go to that such and such restaurant? And I was just like, yes, I'd love to go. So I I, I essentially like forced a date on him, but we're still together, so it worked. Something that felt embarrassing to me 
for a long time when I was younger having sex uh, was that in general, I can come in like 30 seconds if I'm jacking off alone. Uh, but like with, a, you know, with another guy, it often, not always, but often takes me a very long time to come. So there'd be times when like a guy was fucking me, he'd come and he'd sort of try do the, usually do the nice, the nice top thing of trying to help me come. But it would take me so long that I could sort of see the boredom coming over my partner's face. And that felt like shit. And it made me very self-conscious of that. And, you know, I wanted to get off, but I'd often just sort of be like, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'll just sort of jack off later. You know, that didn't feel good. Now that I'm topping more often, like, you know, lasting for way too long as an asset and hooray and everyone loves it. So, <laughs> uh, so you know, I, I managed to turn that coal into a diamond pretty well, I think. I've gotten very good at like nailing a guy's prostate from the right angle. Uh, but I've also learned if, if a guy starts having uh, anal orgasms, uh, which is when they just which is something that can happen with a lot of stimulation where it's, you know, waves of pleasure. It is, it is a legit orgasm, but also like the butt will just spasm and try to force everything in it out. When that happens, shove your dick all the way in uh, and like, don't let it get pushed out. Uh, they love that. <laughs> and it'll, and it'll usually turn one anal orgasm into like a chain of several. So I learned again from that guy who was my sub like that, that was like the correct approach in that situation. Uh, and you know, when people do get those, I always just sort of like make sure I push in and just hold it there. Uh, and it always gets rave reviews. So. <laughs> um, what, what would be the best position to achieve that? Mm -hmm. Like where the bodies are in relation right. to each other? Uh, for that in particular, I would say missionary. Um, you know, I, I, like, you know, if a guy is just like on it, on his back pillow under his butt with his legs up in the air, the, the more flexible a guy is, the easier it is to really hit all the right angles that way. But I tend to find with most people that that, you know, I, I usually try to go through several positions while I'm having sex because, you know, keeps it spicy. But I find that that's the one where I can the most easily, very consistently, like, hit all the guy's spots with ease. Um, I think that's because, uh, you know, if somebody's, like, up on his haunches or something like that, you can still have a very good time there, but the odds that the angles will match or that, like, your hips are both exactly the right height and so on, there's just more variables that way. I, I feel like really, really good, like, great sex is, like, an analogy that I use that it's like playing a violin, where one hand, the bottom, controls the note being played. To me, that would be like how and where they're squeezing their butt or not. And the top is the person who controls the bow of the violin. That's the tempo, like the length of the notes, the direction from which you're hitting it. And I find that, you know, if those variables are sort of left in separate hands that way, that's when it's at its best. I completely understand want to be more active and push back and so on when you're bottoming, but I think it's actually best when a bottom is just sort of like controls their inner sphincters essentially, but lets the actual control of the strokes be completely up to the top. Yeah, because I, I think the tug of war of both people trying to control the tempo of the sex, usually to me that doesn't actually work out as well as one person sort of 
making that call. You could also use like the the analogy of, of harmonies. Yeah. Like things that are different but work in relation to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I like your violin yeah. metaphor better. It's more poetic. <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've really thought it through. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> you know, when I first came out, hooking up meant like either having access to a car or someone else having access to a car, you know, is this like in like suburban Connecticut? Uh, and occasionally it would mean, for example, uh, sort of, you know, being essentially, you know, you know, hostage to someone else being willing to drive me back home. And, you know, that, that always happened, but sometimes it really meant, you know, sort of being like, okay, I, you know, I need to get this guy off or it'll be really, really uncomfortable to be like, Hey, can I get home again? Obviously, I'm also sort of more of an adult and I think have more of a sense of self-respect. <laughs> uh, but it's also just easier for people to move around. It's easier for people to get to each other. And, you know, and I have an apartment. You know, I'm not dodging my parents. But I don't place that much stock in the idea that, like, you know, the apps have changed things that much. At least not for me, since, you know, when I first came out, was the same things were happening just with something like Manhunt. Um, I can see an argument that those things have changed social life, but I think, you know, as far as hooking up is concerned, it's roughly what it was then. Uh, if I could go back in time and give my, my younger queer self any advice, it would honestly be to not try to be too cool for things. You know, when I was much younger, I just sort of thought, you know, well, physical activity is not for me. I, you know, I hated gym class and so on. Things like getting to the gym make a huge difference in your self-confidence. Uh, and I think I thought for a long time, well, that's just not for me. I, and I've gotten to the point where that's a thing that I do that feels good. I feel like I only, re honestly, only relatively recently realized, like, oh, wait, you know, like you actually can sort of feel better and look better doing this in a way that feels good. I feel like that came to me later in life than it should have, I guess. That and, you know, that you know, if I ever talk to younger gays, it's, you know, don't hook up with sketchy guys. You know, it's, you're going to have so much sex with so many beautiful men in your life. It's actually okay not to rush it. You know, I, I totally understand the hunger for getting out there and having that connection, but there's so much of it out there waiting for you. Give it a little bit of time. Well, you know, like let those encounters be good ones rather than every single one you can get. At you know, when I was much younger, plenty of sex with guys that, in retrospect, I was like, I'm like, yeah, they're kind of creepy. Or I look back and say, you know, yeah, I was kind of being exploited there. I, I think it is an an unfortunate fact of queer life, and I don't know how you'd possibly communicate this in a healthy way to like kids of like high school age, but like. You know, there are statistics about sexual assault out there and so on, but I think if you are queer, it is guaranteed that at some point you're going to have some sex you don't want to have. You know, I don't take trauma away from mine personally, but I think that is true for virtually all of us, and I think that sucks. Why do you think it is? Um, I think sometimes it's all that's available. I think that we are socially vulnerable and that... Sadly, occasionally, some queer people use that vulnerability against other queer people. I, I don't think of anything that happened to me as rape. 
but like there, there were definitely some times that felt like I know I don't want to be doing this and I'm doing it because it is the easiest way out of the situation. Uh, especially outside of cities. And I don't mean to, I don't mean to suggest this doesn't happen in cities because it sure as fuck does. But, uh, I think young queer people anxious for that connection are frequently very badly exploited by the people around them. And it makes me angry that the people doing that exploiting don't have the ability to sort of look back at, you know, whatever their own youth was, whatever their experience was, and to think, you know, I want to pass on something better. I, I don't understand lacking that capacity. Fruitful interviews are edited for clarity and brevity and are approved by each interviewee before being released. Visit fruitbowlpodcast.com where you can learn more about this episode, browse the episode archive, and watch original videos. Help support Fruit Bowl's efforts to collect, archive, and share personal stories about queer coming of age by making a small monthly donation through Fruit Bowl's Patreon membership. Patrons get early access to episodes, behind-the-scenes updates, and occasional bonus content. Larger donations and sponsorships are tax-deductible through Fruit Bowl's fiscal sponsorship with Seattle's Northwest Film Forum. Fruit Bowl collects histories from all different backgrounds and experiences. Cisgender women, trans and genderqueer individuals, Black people, Indigenous people, and people of color, it's only by collecting diverse stories that we can begin to see what unites us. Interested in sharing your story? Find out more about the interview process, including a full list of questions and news about future production. Visit fruitbullpodcast.com for links and contact information. Fruitbull is created, produced, and edited by Dave Quantic. I'm Syrah B. This has been a production of Cubed Media, LLC. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening. <laughs>